0: Listener supported WNYC Studios. I used to, for the sake of being honest about the fact that I, it wasn't perfect, I would highlight all the imperfections, which is, I think, a thing women do, right? Like, we're very self-deprecating, like, Hey, this is Erica. I know it's not perfect. My makeup doesn't look really good today. And
1: you don't have to do that either, boo. Just do it. <laughs> right? Just be it. If you're thinking of starting a podcast, but you've never done one... You're not alone. As the field has grown so rapidly in recent years, so has the number of newbies. That's why we gathered four successful first-timers to talk about what they learned in their first year and what they wished they'd known. I'm Sarah Gonzalez, and this is Work It! The Podcast, a compilation of some of the best moments from the live event. And here are Erica William Simon, Nagin Farsad, Gabby Dunn, and Anne Friedman.
2: Good morning. Are we are we loud? We're loud enough, right, guys? Yes, I hear it. Okay, great. Okay. Hi. Hello. I'm Ann Friedman. I co-host a podcast called Call Your Girlfriend. I know. Um, We are here today to talk about what it's like to transition from not being a podcaster to being a podcaster. Um, And with me are three incredible women who have done just that. Uh, Gabby Dunn my direct left, Hello. is the host of Bad with Money. Nagin Farsad is the host of Fake the Nation in the hey. center. And Erica Williams Simon on the end hosts The Call. Um, I love this topic because it's a really easy answer for me of the how did you get into podcasting. Her name is Gina (laughs) Delvac. She produces Call Your Girlfriend. And she is the one who planted the seed like, hey, maybe you two should think about podcasting. Hey, I have all of the technical skills and expertise that you need to make that happen. Let's work together. Um, Most people do not have the perfect podcast witch pop into their life at the right moment. (laughs) Um, But that's my story. And I'm really excited to hear from all three of these ladies about their own paths to audio domination. So to start us off, um, we've got a little clip from everyone's show. Um, And we're going to start with Gabby. Um, On your podcast, Bad With Money, you talk about all the ways that money can affect a person's feelings, relationships, self-worth, that whole messy cocktail of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And um, here's a clip that explains your show.
3: I am a writer, comedian, journalist, actress, YouTuber, yes that's a thing, and sometimes Postmates Courier, living in Los Angeles. And I am bad with money. For most of my life, I kept all of my financial foibles to myself. Not having money was my secret. I'd build credit card debt before I'd tell a friend I couldn't cover dinner. You can pay me back whenever, no rush. I'd let months go by with unanswered invoices rather than beg a company to pay me for my freelance work. I'd sell clothes or pawn jewelry before I'd turn down an unpaid internship. Seeming desperate for money was the worst thing I could do. Ooh, fun to
2: relive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you write and make youtube videos and Mm. do lots of different things about different topics i want to know why this is the topic you chose for a podcast
3: yeah i mean our youtube channel uh is mostly focused on like dating and love advice and stuff like that and and i am a queer woman so that's kind of the topic that comes up a lot when people want to talk to me um and i when i was thinking about doing a podcast when so i'm with panoply and when panoply approached me about doing a podcast they, I was like, okay, first thought is like some sort of sex and dating thing, but there are a lot of those. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, I, I, that is easy for me to talk about, but what is hard for me to talk about? And I was like, well, the big secret in my life is that I'm terrible with money. And then I was like, let's poke the wound. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's let everyone know about that. Um, and so like in, in the first episode, there's a thing that I do where I go to this coffee shop and I ask, tell people, can I ask you two questions? Uh, and they go, sure. And then I go, okay, first question, uh, what's your favorite sex position? And like, without missing a beat, they're like, doggy style, reverse cowgirl. The barista was like, I like standing up, whatever it is. And, uh, and then I was like, cool. Um, and second question is how much money is in your bank account? And people were like, oh, absolutely not. Like, no, no, that's offensive. Um, which, it's really happened. And so, uh, so from there I was like, okay, this is the topic that, cause I was like such a sexual person. I was like, no, 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 that's easy. This is the topic that is hard. So that's why I chose. Also there's not a lot of, um, queer driven or, or female driven finance podcasts. And a lot of them are like, uh, here's exactly what you should do. And if you don't do this, you're a dumb dumb. And I was like, okay, <laughs> why? <laughs> it's not that easy. Awesome. Yeah. So I just wanted to do something that was different than, than my YouTube channel and also sort of unexpected from like a person who's like a queer woman who is, you're not usually the, the target expert for financial podcasts. <laughs>
2: totally. Um, Nagin. Mm-hmm. So you describe Fake the Nation as the comedy about politics without any of the politics about politics. Which sounds awesome right about now, (laughs) now and always. Um, We have a clip from your show uh, in which you and Robin find out from Rhea Butcher that Beyonce is, at the time, was pregnant with twins. Let's listen. Fake the Nation, episode thirty-one. Can we talk about that? Well, that's good. I'm on a
0: group text. Wait a minute, she's pregnant again with twins. With twins. Where have I been? I almost said this to you, but I was (gasps) like, well, I feel like maybe she probably knows. But yeah. Twins. Places, when did
2: you find this out? And then why just am I the last? Just a second ago. Oh, okay. So I just found okay, out. Okay, yeah. just she found just out. Just
4: I didn't know. know.
0: I didn't know. Oh. First day
2: of Black did you, History Month. Do you see this? Beyonce. Yep, I sure oh. did. <laughs> Somebody already photoshopped it into one of the executive orders.
0: Holy <laughs> shit. Holy
4: <laughs> shit.
1: Holy shit. In three, oh two, one. Oh
2: my God.
4: Never Hello. forget. Hello, I am Nageen Farsad, and this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and we send panic signals to Angela Merkel. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about the chaos sown by the travel ban, our fraying foreign relations, and we'll figure
2: out how to survive it all.
4: Today, I'm rejoined. <laughs>
2: <This is> a- <laughs> oh my God, never forget. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that happy moment of finding out. Uh, okay, so you have a back a really varied background as well in yeah. politics and policy, also in comedy. You've made documentaries and feature films. Um, you know, did you make a calculus similar to Gabby's, where you were like, I want to do a podcast that's different from my other work, or how does it? How did it fit in?
4: I mean, well, it. I mean, I guess I have like a just a tendency of like just career-changing or whatever. Um, he's, I was a policy advisor for the city of New York, as were we all. And I then... Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, but I had always been doing comedy or whatever, so, like, you know, then I, I, I threw my hat in to just do stand-up. And, you know, and I'm still, a, you know, a, a comedian or whatever, um, who occasionally makes movies or whatever, writes books. But I think the thing is that, like, I really am... Obs- like, I have no... For, for whatever reason, I don't see a difference between um, medium. So I just, like, feel like I'll probably go into mime after this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see, I just am like, it's all the same thing. Um, and I became really obsessed with um, podcasts, you know, and, uh, and there was a podcast that I, re- you know, that's my all-time favorite podcast is um, Slate's Political Gab Fest. And I always thought, um, you know, oh, I want to do, like a podcast like this, you know, they talked, we talked about stealing yesterday. Um, Someone talked about stealing and said it was okay. So anyways, I'm I'm owning up, Uh, you know, I was like, I want to do like this podcast, but with comedians and we don't have to be remotely, you know, we have to, we don't have to be adults about it. and, um, you know, we could talk mad shit and like that's, uh, you know, and also have like a couple of serious topics and like, that, you know, mention Angela Merkel, but then we could also talk about, you know, um, something, uh, you know, more lowbrow, um, in a third segment or whatever. Um, and so that's you know, it, I, and so I would say to myself and occasionally to my dog out loud, this idea, <laughs> um, you know, until one day, um, you know, Chris Bannon from Earwolf had, you know, said, to me, oh, do you have any, like, if you have any ideas, let me know. And I was like, I, I have a, a stolen idea. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, and so that's kind of how it came around, and it was just, um, it, and it was purely out of the love of listening to this other podcast and having it be such a strong part of my diet. Mm-hmm. But obviously,
2: taking that and then making it your own, taking that idea—yeah—I mean, I just want to be clear, you didn't just. Steal no, it. I didn't like, just. You
4: know? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things that are completely different yeah. about these shows, um, yeah. like, namely, and we're not uh, experts; <laughs> you know, we're sure. comedians mostly, um, and uh, so. It, but it is, um, I, and the other thing is, like, I didn't really sign up for Donny um, to be my president at the time, um, <laughs> so I like. <laughs> And, it, you know, we started during the primaries, and I thought, like, oh, this will just be, like, a fun, dumb part of the process, and once we get him out of the way, we can get to the real um, podcast, um, and that is, now I'm in the fucking real podcast, and it's still, he's still there, and it's, um... So that's one thing I, I didn't know.
2: Uh, LAUGHTER <Yeah.
4: laughs> when I got into it, unfortunately.
2: Um, I'm just going to move right along because Eric, Erica, your podcast, The Call, is all these amazing one-on-one, in-depth conversations with women who are following their dreams, who are taking action, who are doing like, the exact opposite of you know, everything you just said about what's happening in electoral politics right now, who are really like making it happen for themselves. Um, let's listen to a clip from your show.
0: sorry I said hey like that. I can't help it. I'm excited. It's your girl, E. And welcome to the very first episode of The Call, where we hear from inspiring women about their journey to answer their life's calling. I kind of feel like there should be bottles popping in the background, but I don't drink, so that doesn't make sense. Maybe maybe balloons popping. I don't know. (laughs) Just something to celebrate you being here. Because nine times out of 10, if you're listening, you're a person who is really trying to master your journey, to step up, to make change, uh, to live an extraordinary life, you know, all the cliches. And if so, you're in the right place, because I am too. Awesome. Mm.
2: That's me. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about the tone and the whole feel of that clip we just heard, but your show in general and how you decided um, what you wanted that listener experience to be like or what you wanted that feel to be like.
0: Yeah, so my my background is actually in um, politics um, and then also religion. I'm a preacher's kid, um, and in in the kind of political world, I ran, you know, youth organizing programs in Washington and did all that, but also have been uh, a media trainer for progressive faith leaders. So I've got like this weird intersection of these very serious topics. Um, And so when I left politics and transitioned, I knew that I wanted to create content that helped people not to steal from Oprah, but live their best lives, but in like a very real way that involves politics (laughs) and social impact, um, not just feeling good about yourself. Um, But I didn't know what I wanted that to look like. Uh, So I moved to L.A. and was in the process of pitching television shows because I'd done a lot of TV commentary and love being on camera. Um, And what I quickly learned was that's a very long process. Like making shows is a long thing and it's hard. And so you can have an idea and it takes a year, depending upon who you're working with and what you want it to be, a year or two to actually get on air, whether that be digital or television. So I was sitting around with all these ideas of the kind of conversations I wanted to have. And I was like, well, maybe I can just do audio. I wasn't a huge podcast listener. And a friend of mine worked at a lifestyle platform called Man Repeller, which I wasn't super familiar with, but it's apparently a very, very popular um, you know, women's fashion and lifestyle platform. And they said, well, we're looking for, like, we'd love to start doing podcasts. And I was like, I'd love to start doing them too. And they said, let's do one. And so they didn't know what they were doing and I didn't know what I was doing. And we sat down and they said, so what kind of show do you want to make? and immediately and I think this is really important immediately I went into well what are shows are people like me making and everyone I talked to was like girl you got to do another another round you got to do two dope queens and I'm like okay love those shows but that's not really me I mean, with my girlfriends it, at mm-hmm. home, but that's not really me. And that's not necessarily what my voice is in the world. And so I felt very nervous about creating the kind of content that I really wanted to create. When I listen to audio, like I love, I geek out on like Krista Tippett's On Being, which is the nerdiest, most like out there show. Like, I grew up watching Charlie Rose interviews. Like I love going deep and getting real, and I wanted to do that with women and with women of color and have some real conversations. So I said, that's what I wanna do. And they said, cool, let's do it. Um, but I didn't know, you know that I needed people around me who understood my voice. So um, I hired just a, a producer, didn't know anything about what producing was or what I needed. And in producing the very first episode, um, you know, I just said what I needed to say and was like, here, you take it and you make it now. And she didn't know me, so she put a bunch of stuff on and clips and music, and I got it back, and I'm like, "Mm mm-mm, that ain't me. That that doesn't sound like me anymore. But I didn't know what to do, and it was up until the night before, there was an intro song on it that just was not my vibe. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to find royalty-free music. So I pulled out GarageBand and made it. And that's me singing, and that's me making a beat. And I was like, let's just use that for now. Because if nothing else, it sounds like 90s (laughs) R&B. Which is like my vibe. Like that's the closest to me you'll get right now. And it worked. And people are like, we love your theme song. Who is that? And I'm like, it's your girl, (laughs) (laughs) E. But I say all that to say that like, how did I find the voice and the tone of the show? I just used my own. And then you grow from there and you develop and you learn. But... I didn't wanna sound like anybody else cause I can't sound like anybody else. Literally, I'm singing my song. Yeah.
2: No. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, I would love to hear from each of you. What was one big misconception that you had about podcasting that um, you were, you quickly realized was a misconception after starting your, your shows?
3: Um, I think, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is the technical aspect. Like, I was like, I thought, oh, if I, if I touch a microphone, it will break. Um, and <laughs> then we started doing the second season of my, so we initially sh- did our show. We rented out, um, like, studios, and that cost money. And then uh, for the second season, they were like, we're just going to set up a podcast studio in your kitchen. And I was like, you're going to what now? And so then a guy came to my house and he, it was like the karate kid. He like, he like set up the whole thing and then took it apart and then set up the whole thing and then took it apart. And then he was like, now you do it. And I was like, okay. And then we went through it like four or five times and I have no background in this. And then by the end of it, I could set up the whole studio. And I was like, I could have done this the whole time if I just had the confidence to be like, no, I'll figure it out. Like, my dad, like, does our whole backyard landscaping. He's not a landscaper. Like, mm-hmm. he just goes and does it. So, like, I was <laughs> like, oh, why don't I? I could have just been like, I'll figure it out. So I feel like there's this barrier to entry where you're like, well, I don't know about this very serious thing. And I was like, you could just get a Tashcam and figure it out.
2: Yeah, I was just about to ask if there is a checklist of, like, the stuff, like, like you know, the what you did to set it up that's somewhere online or that...
3: I have a video that I made of this very oh. nice man showing Amazing. me I, <laughs> I recorded on Photo Booth that I can put up online if people want it. But, like, it was basically, like, this equipment kept getting mailed to my house. Mm. And then I would just be like, ah. But it took, it took, you know, two hours for him to teach me how to do it. And now we record the whole thing out of my house. And I can, like, in my sleep put together this, the equipment. And I think I would, but I was very scared to mm-hmm. do that and i think like the idea that it's this thing that you can't ev- that you had to go to like school for or whatever mm-hmm. is is not true like this barrier that they make you think you you have because of some sort of technical skill is like watch a youtube
2: tutorial you can figure it out yeah mm-hmm. other misconceptions
0: I mean, I, for me, I just, you don't know what you don't know. Um,
2: unknown unknowns. Unknown unknowns. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, if you heard in that first, that very first clip, like I'm listening now to the audio quality and I'm cringing because I just didn't know, you know, so I, I had a Zoom mic and I was talking into it and, it, and it, it doesn't sound great, although the interview was in a studio, so that part sounded good. Um, but, you know, now <clears throat> this season, I have a wonderful producer who I think is here, Erica Morrison. She's like, yay, Erica. <laughs> um, Yes, you should get a producer who has your same name. It makes things so much easier. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and so now this season, last season we did an interview on the phone. Because I was like, okay, you can't come to studio, let's do it on the phone. This season, Eric is like, mm mm, we're doing ISDN only in studio. And I'm like, okay, girl, all right. And it sounds so much better. So a lot of it is almost kind of the opposite point that you were making. One is like, okay, you can just do it, you can pick up what you have and figure it out. But the other side of that is there are also people, there are women who know so much more than you who are willing to help and there's expertise. You don't have to know it all. Someone else does.
4: Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. I think, well, we have this particular challenge, which is that every week we bring on two comedians. They're usually comedians, but they're also maybe like a funny journalist type person. Um, who can be chatty about politics? And the, the rule of the show, the sort of unspoken rule of the show is like I want people to be like fun, um, and and not assholes, and <laughs> um, and I you know and I want the thing to kind of feel like just like a chatty, fun thing, like you're sitting around a dinner table and you're sitting with us and we're having this conversation. Um, and you know, at first I just thought it would be much easier to like book. the the people, you know? Um, So I know a lot of people that fit this description. I don't know it turns out nearly any Republicans that fit this description. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I was all, so I'm like, it, you know, if you ever meet me, um, you know, at a at a bar or on the way to the bathroom, I'll just be like, do you know a funny Republican? Like, I'm just always there aren't <laughs> looking any. for funny They don't Re- exist. And then they totally do exist. It's just like the, 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 the bubbles of, you know, the New York and the LA bubbles and the whatever. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why. I can't find, <laughs> and if you guys them. know... <laughs> Funny Republican, please. Um, and so that has been something. I know. Do you feel the desperation, in my boy? Um, and so. That's something that I think has been really um, challenging because you want to have, you know, in this political climate, a conversation that doesn't alienate people, that brings people in, um, you know, in which we can like talk about other viewpoints and stuff like that. And so, oftentimes, and this is something again, I didn't realize I would be signing up for, I'll I'll be like um, devil's advocate. What if guns are amazing? You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> and I'm like, find myself like saying this ridiculous stuff that I hate myself, you know, to say out loud. But there isn't some someone, you know, that can take on that role, like, oftentimes. Um, and so, anyway, so that's been an in, like an interesting challenge that I didn't know, um, you know, that we'd be facing.
2: Right. And I'm thinking a little bit about what Erica said about it it being your voice, like literally, but also it's your voice. It's, It's kind of who you are and what you bring to it. And to different degrees, you all share parts of your personal lives or your personal journeys. And I'm wondering how you made some of those choices about how much of yourself and your life is front and center in the podcast you make. And if you have any regrets maybe about how you've chosen that.
0: I mean, in the, in the very beginning, because the, the premise of the show is, we started after the election, so the premise is we're in this moment when everyone, but in particular women, are kind of needing to respond to the moment and feeling this call on their lives to do something different. And for some people, that looks like an increased activism. Um, for other people, that looks like, I know friends who are like, I gotta quit my job and do something else. Um, so the premise is, you know, making these big, transitions in these kind of you know, call to action moments. So I start by talking about my own in my life and those traditions, tr- um, transitions. So I'm talking about myself a lot with the guests, um, but I was always cautious to not do it too much because I'm thinking you know, the guest is the focus. So we get halfway through the season, this first season was 10 episodes, and we get to like episode five or six, and I start seeing from listeners and commenters, they're like, can we hear more about you though? Can you tell us a little bit more about you? Because I, I guess I reference things in shorthand. And so for the final season, for the season finale, we flipped the tables and had um, the editorial director of Mamre Peller come on and interview me, which was an odd experience, but I was like, okay, if you want to know everything. And when I tell you, I told, all my business (laughs) and we had to edit some stuff out because I was like why was I why was I even talking about that but the feedback that I got from what I did let be in the episode was that they wanted to hear about me they wanted to hear about my life because the show is my voice and so it's hard to hear someone's voice and connect with it if you don't bring all of all of you to the table and all of your experiences so so for me I have no regrets and will continue to do that
3: yeah, they want to know where you're coming from and they want to be able to, like, why are you the person doing this? You have, they have to have some context for who you are. Like, I couldn't ask people the really intense questions about money uh, that I do if I wasn't like, and here's my shit, too. Even when I worked mm-hmm. as a journalist, a big part of my interviews for as a journalist was I would up top, kind of like as a trick, like spill my guts to the source. And I would be like, look, I'm interviewing you about this crime you committed. When I was 15, I shoplifted. So whatever, you know, you like say stuff so that almost like a cop or weird. So that like, they're like, oh, this is my buddy. And then they like, they like will open up to you. And so like, I would do that on the show where I was like, what kind of I have to say that I'm a fuck up about money because I can't mm-hmm. just come out here guns a-blazing being like, "Oh, and this is what you should do, and this is how other people screw up," without like talking about your own screw up. So the whole first episode is like, I interviewed my parents, I interviewed my sister, <laughs> like I, I got in a fight with my sister on the <laughs> on the air, yeah. like we like kept all of that because uh, just you need to like expose yourself first before you, but, so the audience trusts who they're listening to. Mm-hmm.
4: It's funny because, like, draw you know, being personal um, on the mic is both how you kind of draw people in, and uh, and in another setting, how you start a cult. Uh, so there, it's useful <laughs> in both scenarios. Just side note.
2: Yeah. Hot tip. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so so pro, pro tip for pro those tip, of you who are tip. in my cult. <laughs> um. Rather than do, waste some time running a mic around, we solicited questions from you all in advance. And so I've got an incredible list of, um, of other things to ask you all. Um, one of them, and I apologize for uh, messing up anyone's name from the audience that I'm about to read. So that's the downside of doing it this way. Um Bandria July from Los Angeles asks... Once you knew you wanted to create a podcast, how did you go about the show development process? Nailing down the what's it about, the weekly segments, that sort of stuff.
3: Uh, I had a producer at Panoply named Sam Dingman, who's a goddamn angel. Uh, And it's as much his show as it is mine. And uh, basically, we just did a bunch of phone calls. and figured out what we wanted the like how personal we wanted it to be and what we wanted to call it made a big google doc with ideas and uh sort of like what erica was saying i mean collaboration was huge you can't if, even if you're doing it by yourself, like run everything by your friends. Be like, would you like this segment? Would you listen to this segment? It's trial and error. Like, how long do you think a show would be? Like, how you know our first season episodes are thirty minutes. Second episode season is an hour because people wanted more. Like, kind of do like a, ta- a test taker of you know temperature taker of of people around you of like what kind of stuff would you listen to what kind of stuff do you think would be good and or would you like if we did a segment like this or even listening to other podcasts for Mm -hmm. ideas of like what kind of segments they do um like nagin said and then just lift them uh but (laughs) yeah i think like i think you I, i think if you're working yeah that's my whole thing i don't know i just think like you can get really creative with it and like and take temperature takers before you actually do anything?
4: Mm -hmm. Like, one thing that was big for me was, like, I wanted it to feel like... um We did some work on the podcast. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I didn't want to feel like uh, I just recorded myself and then throw it on the line. You know, like it's I Mm -hmm. I wanted it to feel like a little produced, even though you know it's a weekly podcast. We don't actually have enough time, and it's pegged to the news, Um, and we do it every fucking week. And so we did. We don't have the kind of time to actually do a really produced, like you know something beautiful, um, like Invisibilia or whatever. Like this has to happen really quickly. Uh, but like what are some tricks of the trade where we can make it look like we're producing um, but we're really, you know, not. And, you know, so a lot of that was just like it, it's it, we throwing in um, sound bites um, from our miserable ruler, or um, you know, just sound bites <laughs> from the week or whatever. And like you know, we do you know, it, and just the, the simple thing. Like I, the show's broken up into three segments, and at the at the beginning of the first segment, I always say like topic number one. And then there's a ding sound. Yeah. Um, uh, Greta Cohn, who helped develop the show, and John Delore, and also um, Gianna Palmer, who's in the audience, and our, our producer, who mm-hmm. should everyone should be her friend. Um they, you know, th- they're constantly like doing these like just simple sound effects and I can't tell you, it's so weird to me, people come up to me and they say, I love the ding, I love the ding. <laughs> and it's like these little things that make such a, you know, um, create such an audio landscape for people and, 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 and also a familiar thing that they, that keeps them, you know, coming in. Um, and then the other thing that I realized was like, I like laugh a lot <laughs> um, and uh, like, you know, in life and on, on the show, and um, at first I was like, bleh, like, you know, covering my mouth, like, no one should hear this, and then I realized like, no, actually... Everyone should hear this. This is fun, um, and mm-hmm. let us, you know, and feel the joy of it, you know. And oh, if people that's want to my... laugh with you, mm-hmm. they want you to say um, They want you to yeah. laugh, they and laughter is yeah. infectious or whatever. Right. Um, and so uh, they want to feel like they're with it's you, happy. Yeah. 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 And it's a whole that whole. There's that whole religion where people laugh and then they sit and laugh. Um, so <laughs> religion <laughs> of Cult. Of what do you want me to talk about? Dang, I stole the idea of laughter from that one religion. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, uh, I, so things like that made, created uh, this world of the show that I think people, uh, you know, enjoy, hopefully.
2: Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Catherine Jaffe is from Golden, Colorado. Her podcast is called Here's the Deal. She asks, how important do you think it is for a podcast to be perfect, that's in quotes, from the start, Or can it be a learning journey where you just start doing it and refine it as you go? I have started releasing a very imperfect podcast because I'm using it to learn. And if I wait to make it perfect, I think I will get discouraged. Is it bad form to put something slightly unfinished out there at the start? I mean, this
0: doesn't just go for podcasting. This is anything as a creative... It's going to be imperfect. Like the, even if you think it's perfect, it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. So just put out something, um, and that's the hardest thing to do, especially if it's something that you care deeply about or you're nervous. It. I mean, it literally is like jumping off a. Cliff. You just have to do it, um, and you'll find. You know, I'm big on intention. You'll find that if, once you find your audience, or more appropriately, your audience finds you. They're very supportive. Mm. You know, they're going on the journey with you. You can be honest about it. But also, this is the other thing I'll say. Um, I used to, not necessarily for this podcast, but for other things I created, for the sake of being honest about the fact that I, it wasn't perfect, I would highlight all the imperfections Which is, I think, a thing women do, right? Like we're very self-deprecating, like, hey, this is Erica. I know it's not perfect. My makeup doesn't look really good today. And you don't have to do that either, boo. Just do it. (laughs) Right? Just be it. If there are imperfections that are worth noting, someone will note them to you and you say thank you. But a lot of the times, the things that you think are horrible, the average person doesn't even know. And you're spending, you know, 24, 48 hours... A week, a month, trying to fix something that isn't worth your time, Um, Mm -hmm. and that time is valuable because the time is growth, and you don't grow until you put it out and do it. Mm. Anyone else? I just agree. agree. That
3: yeah, people waste too much time on making something perfect, and it's never going to be perfect.
4: Yeah, and once you're doing it, like I was telling these guys backstage, you know, I used to spend hours and hours and hours prepping Mm -hmm. the show, and I was like, I can't do this every like actually am a person who has this is not my sole source of income I actually have to go places and perform and do other work um, and so I couldn't be spending the kind of time I was spending in the first weeks of the show like prepping and then I realized what you know a 13 minute segment really means mm-hmm. and like how much research it really entails so like over time I developed a way um, to phone it in a little bit more is what I'm saying uh, my <laughs> inspirational message is don't work that hard no, uh, but no, you <laughs> no, but like you, you know, you, you figure out, you calibrate and you figure it out. Yep, right.
2: Um, here's another process type question. Holly Starley from Santa Barbara, California, um, asks, oh, sorry, Holly's podcast is called We the Village. She says, this is a broad question on management, more air quotes, management. Um, I'll start by stating the obvious producing a podcast takes a lot from many different angles, especially if you're flying solo. Any advice on managing your time, your energy, your expectations, all those sound files? <laughs> Planning, management, tips.
3: Um, Google Calendar is really great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I have, my Google Calendar is shared with my producer, uh, which is a nightmare because now we have no boundaries and he's just like did you get a wax today? It's very unfortunate. Um, But yeah, so, uh, so, but, but I think like it's, it's, Uh, making sure that you're not doing too long of interviews, like that's a big thing for me is my show's only an hour and we usually talk to two or three people per show. And so I was like, well, I felt bad, weirdly, I felt bad, like if these people are taking the time to do this interview, I should interview them for at least 45 minutes, but for a thing that we're only gonna cut into 15 minutes or less. So then I started being like, oh, nobody's gonna be upset if you hang up early. So then I was like, if the segment's only going to be 15 minutes, let's keep the interview to 30 minutes. Like, Mm -hmm. just realizing, and that took me, like, a
4: whole season to figure out, and that saves Mm -hmm. me a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Oh, and this goes back to, like, figuring out how much you need to prepare, like, my therapist explained to me that um, I over-prepare. And, I, and it's a very female quality, so mm-hmm. hey, all you over-prepare, stop doing it. Um, that, like, and she was like, your idea of underprepared is probably over-prepared. For like the average mm-hmm. person who is a man, um, so <laughs> <laughs> so you should stop working so hard. Like I think that's part of it is like realize, you know mm-hmm. um, realizing that you don't have to work like that as hard. It's mm-hmm. an ongoing issue, especially if you're like the children of immigrants, hey, um, and you're like expected to whatever, you know, be amazing. um, But like as an adult, you're like, mom, I'm still bringing home straight A's, but like you're like at 35, you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. But anyway, (laughs) that's still how I behave. Um, I'm going to tell my mom all about this conference. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the
0: only other thing that I would say, which again, I mean, I'm learning podcasting is like life, all creative projects that the, these lessons kind of translate to other areas of your life, but is understanding what is important to you. You have to make a decision. You have to prioritize. So when I was you know, doing the first season of the podcast, it was also my mm, really I consider it my first year as a full time independent creative. Um, I'd been doing so many other you know, side hustles for years and years, and a lot of people thought I was full-time creative, but I wasn't. That year was, and I, I realized, like, I was constantly working, brain never stopping. And any of you who are independent or who are doing multiple things at once understand what that is like. It's a grind, and you feel like you never turn your brain off, and everything is of equal importance, but it can't be. Mm-hmm. It just can't be. And that was the biggest lesson that I learned. And I would recommend there's a book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. It has changed everything about the way that I work. Because you have to understand and think about of all these things that I want to accomplish in the world and all the content that I want to create and, and all these big goals that I have, what is essential for me to do that? Not what would be nice, not what's helpful, not what do I dream about, but what of my skills, my talent, my craft is essential on my calendar and then what is not. And then prioritizing that and scheduling your day, your week, and your life around that. How can you actually go deep? As much as it's fun for me to spend you know, 10 days obsessing over a logo, what's important for me is to have the best interview possible. So I need to spend more time developing my craft as an interviewer. I need to spend more time researching my subjects than I do worried about my logo when I have to make those trade-offs, right? Which I think a lot of us do. So I would just say understanding what your priorities are and what is absolutely essential will help you clear off some of the things that take up a lot of your time and may have little impact.
2: Mm. Yeah, I love Life advice. before we end, I definitely want to ask everyone here something that's perhaps a little on the nose for the title of this session. But if you could time travel back to episode one of your podcast, um, what is the advice that you would give yourself? And for me, this is, this is an interesting one. One of the things we were talking about this before the session is um, just being like, have you considered doing seasons instead of just producing every single week in perpetuity? Or like, <laughs> have you thought about different ways to, um, to be consistent in the long term with some structure because i think that like for us at the beginning it was like oh we have to commit to do it doing it forever otherwise it'll like you know i don't know like the audience will disappear or we'll lose momentum or something like that and so i really wish that i could kind of plant the idea really early on that um, it doesn't have to be something that you do every week or every other week or every month indefinitely. Like it could be maybe a short run or it could be a series model or something that um, allows for the true long-term. Is a, Maybe it wouldn't have been effective on day one, but just a seed to plant. So I'm curious, maybe maybe you've already mentioned something that's in this vein, so don't feel like you need to you know, say some, come up with a brand new thing. But I am curious if you could be in front of your day one self.
3: Um, I think... Uh, uh, different types of guests would have been helpful like season one a big criticism for season one was that it was a lot of show business guests and I totally hear that and I think that's like a, a flaw that a lot of podcasts have where because we're all entertainment people or we're all comedians or we're all sort of like in some way or another, we believe ourselves to be entertaining. Otherwise, why are we talking into a microphone? Uh, we want to have, like, other people who are just purely... And we only know other people in entertainment. So, like, a lot of my guests season one are, uh, you know, actors or comedians or, or other types of people like that. And then, once, and then that's only one sort of financial experience in some ways. So then um, for season two, it became way more like you know some guy in the midwest and then like my friend's dad and then like all these various different people and that was way better and i think a thing i would tell myself is like look outside your circle for Mm -hmm. guests or look outside your circle for people to to have on and be a little bit uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with like the conversations you're having rather than just booking who you know and being like terrified of anyone (laughs) you don't know coming on Mm.
4: i would have i mean like you kind of said this uh i would have been like Lady, you need some weeks off. Like, you need to figure (laughs) that shit out. And it's... uh, Especially, you know, because I have to... um every week talk about uh, popular vote losing minority president Donnie Twimp who's also under criminal investigation I like can't handle it all the time and yeah. so um, I, and this is something you know we're on episode 65 and still don't have like an exact plan for what we do when mm-hmm. I need to not be there for a week um, and, and so that's something that I, I you know I wish I had started thinking about much sooner. Um, and, uh, and yeah, build in a little bit of the, a sanity
2: model, the sanity model. I love that. I love that sanity (laughs) model.
0: Um, I've already mentioned having, you know, having a producer that understands you and understands your voice. Um, I guess the other thing that I've learned is to, when you're creating something, think about the one person that you want to reach. Think about one person, Um, You know, we live in a society where we've been taught that mass is better and mass is best. And so we all want to be the next big, huge thing, whatever that is. Um, We all have a vision of, maybe we don't, but a lot of us have a vision of like, I'll make this podcast and it'll become the number one ranked podcast on iTunes. And then someone will see it and buy a television show from it and then I'll sell a best-selling book from it and like maybe I can live off of this. And, and all of that is wonderful and kudos to you if it happens. Um, but that the goal, when I step back and realized that it, you know, my fear and anxiety over how am I gonna reach so many people, that ended the day I was like, but I'm just trying to reach one. I'm trying to reach one person and if one woman hears this show and afterwards feels you know, more compelled to take a step in her life, if after listening to this show, one woman feels like, you know what? I have what I need to actually take action and do something bigger than I thought and I know the real about how to do that, then I am successful. And so I think creating your own metrics of success that have nothing to do with numbers, that have nothing to do with things that are beyond your control, that's my sanity model. And I think it also is a model for, for having a really effective and impactful piece of content.
2: Mm. Yes.
4: And if you can get one more person to join your cult, then you have really
2: done something with your life. Yeah. Alternate title of this panel, cult leadership. Cult Leadership 101. Yeah. Um, 101. Uh, so I want to thank Gabby, Nagina, and Erica for being here. Yay!
1: That was Anne Friedman, Nagin Farsad, Erica William Simon, and Gabby Dunn speaking at the 2017 Work It Festival. Both the festival and the podcast are produced by WNYC Studios and are made possible by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with additional support from the Annenberg Foundation. Event sponsors include Cole Hahn, MAC Cosmetics, and ThirdLove.com.